Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly, presented by Microsoft Surface. As always, joined by Matt Money-Smith. And now that we are in the Chargers offseason, we like to bring guests on every week. And this guy does this a week after the Senior Bowl for us. It's an annual tradition. Now, Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible. Money, we love having Rick. We do. And uh, be sure to check out all the great draft coverage at uh, SI.com. We don't bring him on because it fills space. We bring him on because he's one of the best. And uh, we appreciate the time. His time is valuable right now. You're coming off. The Senior Bowl, Rick, a lot of times quarterback dependent. You know, we know Justin Herbert certainly raised his hands there. Um, both of them, you know, just to let you know that he had to, that worked. But uh, this year it seemed like maybe, you know, a little, little lacking in terms of sizzle at that particular position. But what about other positions and maybe what your takeaways were from that, that week and that game? Yeah, Herbert put his hands up. Pickett put his hands down. And, uh, <laughs> there you we know, go. we've seen a lot of quarterbacks throughout the years, though, fellas. Thanks for having me. Christian Ponder, E.J. Manuel, Daniel Jones. They made themselves a lot of money at the Senior Bowl. And so it was a little bit disappointing. I know Will Levis out of Kentucky had some injuries he was dealing with this year. It would have been nice to just see him go down there, maybe at least interview with the teams. We didn't have that this year. Not exactly the, the uh, star-laden quarterback class, but guys like Jay Kaner took full advantage. He won the MVP, I think. You know, after seeing what Brock Purdy has done, you got to kind of take a, a deep dive into these quarterbacks. And Tyson Badgett out of Shepard had a had a nice showing throughout the week. But yeah, I think you know the great thing about Senior Bowl is you get Power Five, you get small school FCS. A guy like Cody Moss from North Dakota State is out there serving up pancakes to the P5, and a lot of risers, a lot of surprisers. Uh, Luke Musgrave comes to mind. I mean, you hear about the athleticism, you see that frame. Uh, I think. George Kittle, you know, uh, this kid's the real deal. Tight end is a really strong group this year. And there's a lot of depth in this year's class with the trickle down from COVID, every player getting that extra year of el eligibility. I don't think we have uh, the blue chip draft that everybody always likes to see, but I do think we have a tremendously deep draft. Rick, let's, let's dig in a little bit. The Chargers will select at 21 overall. And Money and I kind of preliminary looked at, okay, Speed wide receiver would make sense. Uh, a quality tight end would make sense. Maybe an edge rusher when given Joey Bosa's injury history and Khalil Mack aging. Um, let's just start with the offensive side. Wide receivers and tight ends down in Mobile that, that impressed. Yeah, you know, for me, this Tank Dell out of Houston, there was a lot of buzz around him. I didn't do an in-depth study uh, until right before the senior ball. I said, man, this guy has got some burst, quick get-off, explosion. I think his route running can create separation that is rare, and he might even be knocking on uh, that back end of the first round range. I, I think he would be wow. a true steal in round two if he's still on the board. But uh, how about my New Jersey guy out of Princeton, uh, Yashavis? I mean, he made himself some money throughout the week. He showed that he belonged. You know, a lot of times you come into uh, uh, the Senior Bowl with that Ivy League helmet. The teams are question questioning how much does he love the game? Does he really need it? Uh, this kid really won a lot of folks over, I think, uh, both on the field, in the interview room. Uh, Ronnie Bell from Michigan, I think he was one of the fastest-timed guys on the GPS tracker throughout the week, which was good because he was coming off that ACL injury. Before that injury, he was thought to be a top 100 guy. I think he lost some of that luster with that ACL injury, so it was good to kind of see him rebound and show that 
type top plight speed. I think he's a solid mid round pick. And then Michael Wilson out of Stanford. I mean, who 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 wasn't uh, departing Mobile impressed with this young man? The route running, the hands, the the consistency. And again, in in Mobile, those one on ones throughout the practice week that separates the uh, contenders from the pretenders. Wilson all week long was shredding defenders. Just uh, you know, Rick, expand beyond the, the Senior Bowl, and, and I think tight end's an interesting position. You know, for the Chargers at, at twenty one, there. Uh, you know, it's possible that. The top tight end will be there. I know people will have him slotted differently, but, you know, you mentioned Kraft at the Senior Bowl making himself some money. I, you know, I was fortunate to call the, the SC-Utah game, so I got to see Dalton Kincaid really put his imprint on a game. Uh, Mayer seems to be a number one guy for a lot of people. You mentioned Musgrave being a Kittle kind of guy. And then you got, uh, what's his, Washington out of Georgia. So kind of walk us through how that position looks when you think that first guy is going to come off the board, how many first-rounders. Like, let's just talk tight ends. Yeah, let's throw Latu out of Alabama into the equation. Like yeah. I said, so many pass catchers, yeah. so many tight end threats. And to me, Michael Mayer is the best of the bunch. He actually reminds me, go back a decade, fellas, Kyle Rudolph coming out of uh, Notre Dame. Notre can Dame. catch, can block. I think Mayer's a top end of the first half, uh, first round. I think that uh, Musgrave, you, you've you got to bet on the, the upside there uh, with the NFL bloodlines, the physicality, the athleticism. I think his best football is ahead of him. If, if you told me five years down the road that Musgrave would be a top five tight end, I would not be surprised. So I think he sneaks into the first round. And I'll be honest, I mean, Musgrave, Darnell Washington out of Georgia, I have a hard time picking which guy I like more because when you can move at six foot seven, 250 pounds like He's Darnell Washington, giant, yeah. it's incredible. And, and, and it's amazing because his teammate, Brock Bowers, I mean, that kid is maybe better than Kyle Pitts. The sky's the limit for him. And Washington might be a first-round guy. And you mentioned Kincaid. There's a lot of love for him in the scouting community. Now, I'm kind of wondering what his time speed is because I don't think – I don't see a guy – like when you match him up against Musgrave and and, and some of these other tight ends, I don't think he's going to run like Bambi. So he might get knocked there. I slapped a third-round grade on him. I know a lot of people like him in the first round. I think he splits the difference in the second round. And Latu is a good case study as well because uh, I believe Jaleel uh, Billingsley was there, transferred to Texas, quit the team. Oh, by the way, we had him out at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. Then Latu steps in and lights the world on fire. So I think he's a guy in the middle rounds that could be great value. Rick, I I mentioned Edge. And, you know, I look at what the Chargers currently have. You know, Joey missed a lot of games this year. Khalil Mack, coincidentally, played in all of them. Um, and, you know, he's had some injury history. So you going into 2023, Kyle Van Noy was a guy who, who's unsigned right now, older guy who contributed a lot. I think that the Chargers are going to have to develop some young talent on the edge, um, even if it's not first round. Uh, who are some guys that you think would be a nice fit for the Volts? Well, sticking to the senior bowl, this uh, Keon White, I mean, he looked really good down there uh, at a Georgia Tech. He really caught my attention because I I, th- I saw him as a mid-round prospect. Then he goes down to Mobile, and he's winning those one-on-ones. He's, he's showing a pass rush repertoire. Now, his game's a little bit raw, right? He's got to be developed and coached up and get with the NFL strength and conditioning program, but the upside is there, and, and you saw the flashes. Uh, same thing with, with, with the kid from Iowa State, McDonald, Will McDonald. Uh, 
I, I like to say he's a cyclone physically and literally. You saw the spin move he was putting on guys. Uh, he's got incredible bend and dip around the corner. He bends like, uh, 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 what's his name, uh, with the horse and, and the donkey, Gumby. I mean, this guy on the edge, <laughs> I mean, he's, like, he's yeah. like Gumby on go. the edge. So those are two guys that stood out to me in Mobile. I think, you know, a guy like Miles Murphy from Clemson might be there at 21, and he can play inside, he can play outside. He, he's been moved up and down that defensive line. He's right in that 270, 275 range, so he can play with his hand in the dirt. Um, you know, it, it depends on, you know, what direction the Chargers want to go, but I agree with you. Uh, Bosa not only has been a uh, – Injury liability, but man, we gotta we gotta reel him in a little bit. That temperament, man, cost him <laughs> some laundry on the field, man. It wasn't good to see, so we gotta reel in Bosa there. A little too excited. Uh, certainly gets upset when uh, he gets held. The um, you know going from edge to interior line, you know, and we saw there was an issue with the Chargers, and they certainly had a number of guys step up big, particularly Brandon Fajoko, um, practice squad guys, but we know, you know, look, you look at the, the Super Bowl, right? And you see what Chris Jones, who's in the defensive player of the year conversation, Fletcher Cox, I mean, Hargrave, you have, you have to be stacked at that interior line position. Um, you know, just kind of knowing what, what defense the Chargers play, kind of that 3-4, the way Brandon Staley wants to play defense. What about some big bodies uh, that are in, in the middle that might be around first, second round that, that you would circle? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you, you got to start with Jalen Carter out of uh, Georgia. I mean, a yeah. lot of lot of scouts. They won't sniff but, him. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it's worth noting that, you know, if he were in the draft last year, he he probably would have been a first-round pick. But in terms of the Chargers, uh, Brian Burris out of Clemson could also be there in, in 2021 uh, range, but he's more – you know, of an interior guy, and if you're looking for that, uh, Mazzy Smith out of Michigan is a guy that's high on our radar. Uh, Keno Benton from Wisconsin is another guy that I think will be early off the board. So, uh, you know, those are probably the top defensive tackles. I, I, You know, if I'm the Chargers, I'm probably looking in the mid to late rounds there. A guy like Kalija Kansi out of Pittsburgh, maybe undersized. You can get him in the late rounds. Maybe outplays where he's selected with his draft position might be a guy that I would target in the late rounds. Rick, I remember so vividly last year the praise that you heaped on Zion Johnson. And what do you know? The Chargers draft him. He has a really good rookie season. Your thoughts on how he played in his prospects in year two and beyond. And then just along that, that same line, you can never have enough offensive linemen for Justin Herbert. And, you know, with, with Trey Pipkins being a free agent and some of the injuries that they had across the line this year, who are maybe some depth pieces that could be starters eventually for the Bolts? Yeah, you know, I think he, he's going to be a building block that they build around in the future. And I think the offensive line class as a whole is a great uh, – depth-wise, uh, a position that the Chargers could, could kind of dig into here because uh, tackle, center, again, two, like, largely uh, in-depth, stacked positions. I look at a guy, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. This guy, to me, I saw him at the Senior Bowl. He's a plug-and-play uh, uh, tackle. I think he can just step in immediately. Uh, Tyler Steen from Alabama was highly impressive. Some people like him as a tackle. Some people like him as a guard. Uh, you guys might be familiar with Rashawn Slater. Tyler Steen has that inside-outside versatility. Uh, I think he could be had in the second or third round. Uh, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. Now, here's a guy who's got a lot of hype, withheld his own, but he's kind of plateaued. So I, I feel like with 
Bergeron, you know what you're getting. Uh, he can compete for a starting job in year one. I don't think he has the upside as some of the guys uh, listed ahead of him, but he's a he's a solid, dependable guy. And then uh, Ryan Hayes from Michigan, like you go back to Jim Harbaugh back in Stanford. He's always had well-coached offensive linemen, well-coached uh, tight ends. Now Hayes, he lacks that bubble butt. The, 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 the scouts want to see that bubble butt with your offensive yeah. lineman. When you got a flat butt, you lack that lower body strength, that ability to push. So I think Hayes slides a little bit about that, but he's got starter traits. One last guy, Carter Warren out of Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a guy that can play a lot of different positions, was injured. Uh, I think he's going to outplay his draft stock. And then I got to mention John Gaines from UCLA. Uh, because yeah, we had great offensive it. line coaches at, at the NFLPA Bowl, uh, Jackie Slater, Rich Seibert, a Super Bowl champion, our friend Lance Zeno, and they all ranted and raved about John Gaines. And the UCLA <laughs> coaching staff, they talk about FBI, football intelligence. This kid is through the roof. He, he actually took reps at all five positions. Then he went, uh, got called up to the East-West Shrine Bowl, some people like him at center. Some people like him at guard. He's played at tackle. John Gaines is a guy, I think, you know, he was probably an undrafted free agent coming into the all-star circuit. I think he's a fourth or fifth round pick now. Wow. Rich, just specifically, uh, a name, you know, every now and then a name will, will jump out, you know, for the Chargers and their fans. You know, not saying like inside baseball, but just casual observers last year it was Jamison Williams we could not hear the name Jamison Williams enough when it came to charge we had like three podcasts dedicated to Jamison Williams on that guy alone but let's it seems like this year that that name is Jalen Hyatt and it's it's speed you know the Chargers need speed like where do you I've seen him you know outside the top five receivers I've seen him you know in the top 20 like where do you come out because he's going to run in the what four threes, low four threes, maybe. Yeah, I've seen him actually as high as the number one wide receiver coming right. off the board, right? And uh, you know, for me, I- I'm a TCU fan of Quentin Johnson. I think he's the top guy. Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Jordan Addison. I can understand being the number one wide receiver. When I watch Jalen Hyatt, I mean, it's an incredible uh, film that he's laid down. But it's a cartoon. It is, and it's all, it's almost like a video game. But, you know, here's the deal. NFL is fascinated with speed. It's something you can't teach. When I look at Jalen Hyatt, I see a one-trick pony. It's a damn good trick. But I, I just have a hard time struggling with sliding him into the first-round equation when he's just winning on straight-line speed. And I think NFL defensive coordinators are going to be able to figure that out I don't have him in the first round mix. I un- I understand the allure, yeah. I understand the luster, but it's it's just not my flavor of the week. Running back is another topic that I feel like every single year we talk about here. Obviously, Austin Eckler, his play and his performance speaks for itself. Led the NFL in touchdowns again, but we're always talking about that bigger back to complement Austin Eckler. Uh, is, is it worth a first round pick? Is it somebody you get in the third or fourth round? Uh, I don't know if you could just walk us through some of the, the, the running back class and, and a guy that maybe could carry the load to be a nice compliment to Austin potentially. Yeah, I, I'm never a believer of drafting a, a running back in the first round. That's me personally. Yeah. Uh, I, I just see too many guys go in the mid, late, undrafted range and come in and make an impact. But uh, Ty J Spears, to me, at Tulane, he, he made himself a case. I, I think he's now in that second round 
equation after the week he had at Mobile. I mean, the change of direction, the burst, the vision, the explosion. He showed the ability to catch the ball down there, so I really like that. If you want a between-the-tackles thumper, though, Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. I mean, this guy Keep him here. is a yak monster. He reminds me of James Conner, actually. And uh, if you can get a Zach Charbonnet in the third or fourth round, if you're getting James Conner in the third or fourth round, hey, uh, sign me up. Uh, uh, Chase Brown out of Illinois, I think, is a guy. I saw him, his willingness. He was sticking his nose in there in pass protection at the senior ball. I like that kind of party. Of course, he Mm -hmm. has the brother, Sidney Brown. And I'm going to give you – I'm going to go way down, digging in the crates uh, crates out here in Jersey, Monmouth, right down the shore, uh, Jersey Shore, right down the road. This guy's a four-down player, guys. He's the best short yardage runner in the entire NFL draft, and I like the kid out of Nevada, too, Toa Tua, Tua Toa. But uh, Mammoth, he's got the best short yardage ability. He runs, he pass, he catches, he blocks, he plays all four special teams units. He's not going to get drafted, but, man, once you get that guy in the facility, just like Austin Eakler, you're not going to be able to cut him. Who like, is he? What's his you know, name? We saw what... Oh well, Owen Owen Wright out of Monmouth. Yeah, Owen Wright. All right, cool. Monmouth's Owen Wright. We um, look. Brees Hall was tracking to be the rookie of the year. I mean, he was playing incredible football, and I think you can tie a lot of the failures of the Jets, you know, from their torrid start to their disappointing finish to him not being out there, um, and, and the way they wanted to run. So, what I'm doing, what I'm doing is setting up the case for a first round back. Right? Let's just say Bijan Robinson is sitting there at 21. You know. It, it, I feel like people are really high on Bijan. Like, they really like this kid. Where, just in terms of the talent, forget about the, I don't, the philosophy, right? You put that guy on the field, what are we looking at? Top five player in the draft. Top ten running back as a rookie. I mean, but at the end of the day, I look at guys. He is in the Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Adrian Peterson, if I date myself, I go back Darren McFadden, Reggie Bush. Yeah. He's in that equation. He's that good. He's that good. Now, what's the common denominator? All those guys I just mentioned. I don't recall any of them putting a team on their back and running them into the Super Bowl. So, And that's where I get back to, like, I, I just can't invest a first-round pick in a running back. But if I were to, I said it about Saquon Barkley, I, it would be Bijan Robinson. I mean, there's not much – this guy can't do. And Rashawn Johnson, his backup is pretty damn good, too. He might wind up getting drafted as, as the backup to Bijan Robinson. Yeah. But, no, he's he's an electrifying talent. There's not much he can't do. He's probably a top five overall player in the NFL draft. But, I mean, it's that devalued position, right? But, but Rick, let's say this. Let's say you, you put Robinson on a Chargers offense with Justin Herbert as the quarterback and Austin Eckler as the other running back who could do everything and and Justin has these weapons and you put a talent like Robinson who doesn't have to carry the offense Justin Herbert's going to take care of that what does that do for a Chargers offense in terms of explosiveness it's a luxury piece right it puts them over the top maybe and so the Chargers when you look at their roster they don't have a lot of weaknesses and I think um I remember the Falcons, they put together a hefty package, I think, to get Julio Jones uh, during the draft. And that was kind of, at the time, a lot to give up. But it was kind of the piece they needed to get over the top. They went, winded up going into the Super Bowl. Yeah, Dijon Robinson is that kind of piece. So at 21, if you told me the Chargers were going to pull the trigger, I've got no qualms there 
just not my philosophy belief, but hey. You think someone will draft him high, Rick? You think like he? Do you think he goes in the top ten or the top fifteen? I think he goes in the. I think he goes in the top twenty. But I will say this: there are exceptions to the rule. The Chargers might be that case because where where are their needs? I, I don't know. You guys know better than I do. But in terms of roster construction, I look at them very similar to the Bengals. Like there's not a lot of weaknesses there. So if you can right. afford to use a first round pick on a luxury piece, if you feel like that's the missing link, I'm all for it. So, you know, and look, I, we, we love Nas. You know, we had high hopes for Nas out of Delaware. It just, you know, seeing the way his his playtime shifted toward the back end of the season and, and how he was spending more and more time off the field than on the field, how, you know, and this is a decision year for Nas. Like, how about free safety and, and just that that high safety? You know, he plays a lot of too high. You know, we know that, that that's what Brandon Saylor runs. But, you know, we know he likes to have Derwin. Coach Taylor likes to have Derwin all over the field. So what about that last line of defense free safety what do we have in this draft yeah you know christopher smith was a guy at the senior bowl a little bit undersized uh there but he he can play in the box he can step up and almost play uh that that linebacker uh slot safety role jl skinner was a guy that had an outstanding week of practice out of boise state now he's the complete opposite at six foot four uh 200 plus pounds he's gonna run probably in the sub four five range uh Ronnie Hickman out of Ohio State, I feel like, is almost like a forgotten guy. Uh, And then um, the kid from Florida, Trey Dean, I can't recall if he – I think he might have been at the East-West Shrine Bowl. But Trey Dean, this guy at one point was considered a first-round pick. He was lights out at at the Shrine Bowl. He's played both safety positions. He can play freelance center field. He could play up in the box. Uh, So in terms of versatility and 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 a chess piece, Trey Dean could play free. He could play strong. He could play linebacker. He could play slot. That would be a guy I would probably target in the third or fourth round. Rick, do you remember your evaluation of JT Woods? He he was a guy the Chargers drafted in the third round. Did not get a, a lot of run this year at all. But the hope is he can make a leap uh, from his rookie year to his second season. Yeah, we had a big buzz. In fact, we had him, I think, at the NFL PA Bowl, and our scouting staff was very high on him. Now, I lost tabs. Once he went to the pros, maybe he was injured. I don't know what the case was. But, yeah, the skill set, the athleticism, uh, it's all there. And I remember him coming out. There was a little bit of a buzz. So uh, not sure what happened this year, but I think he's a guy that can at least, at the very least, make a name for himself on the special teams. And I I think he would be a rotational defender, I would imagine. Uh, But, yeah, our, our scouting department was very high on him coming out. I think he made a bunch of plays on special teams in college as well. Yeah, he. Um, it just seemed like for JT, just struggled a to diagnose, b tackle. tackle um, yeah. You know, angles. You know, really, really struggled in run support. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know. Look, I know people are, and look, there's a reason why people got excited about JT, right? He led he led the nation in interceptions. Guy had what six of them, I think, uh, that last year. But what about? The, I mean, I, I I feel bad just kind of jumping you, asking you off the top of your head. What about those guys? You know, like Aloy Gilman, who filled in for him admirably. You know, real smart player, seems to make the right decision more often than not. Can you think of sort of secondary players that fall into that category? Like, hey, this guy's not going to run a four three, but man, the intangibles are there, the smarts are there. Maybe he was the defensive captain, something like that. The one guy that comes to. Uh... Immediate thought is Riley Moss out of Iowa. And, like, scouts keep telling me he's a safety because he can't run. But, I mean, he's, he's stuck 
he 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 was neck and neck with every receiver out there in the one on ones during Senior Bowl. So, you know, there's a difference between timed speed and, and, and game speed. And so I don't care if Riley Moss goes out to the combine or his pro day and runs a four five four, and that's not sexy. He can stick you in the side pocket. Right. Uh, I'm keeping him at corner, and at the very least, you have an instinctual ball hawk, free safety type. But, man, Riley Moss is the guy that that, that really stands Kedron Smith from Kentucky. And, by the way, I had a chance to meet his family. What a great, great family. But uh, he was lights out, locked down at the NFLPA. Jim Nagy called us up, said, hey, we need a corner. Who do you got? Kedron Smith, he went down, lights out. I mean, and it's a shame because he's not invited to the NFL scouting combine. He was snubbed. But Kedron Smith's going to get drafted. He's got length. He's got size. Another one of those guys, he's almost 6'2". So some people say, oh, he's a safety. Uh, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> he's got some man-to-man coverage capabilities. Hey, Rick, last thing for me, and it's a shame. We're not going to be able to do this this year. One of the things I love doing with money last year, the, like the last five minutes of each podcast, uh, money broke down punters. And, and J.K. <laughs> Scott, J.K. Scott, uh, was awesome this year for the Chargers. They don't need a punter. But just for money, because I think this may be the only time that we're going to talk about punters, give me your top three or four punters, and uh, I'll get Last you out of year there. Was a, it was an anomaly year. Last year we had so many good punters. It was just a <laughs> weird money, year. Money, money was the Mel Kuyper Jr. Yeah. of punting. We had Stonehouse. We had all these dudes, yeah, and, and Buddy knew everything about every punter. It was Riza incredible. and Hayes. And, I mean, it was just a really weird year last year. I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, this is my 21st year covering the draft. It's, I think, my uh, fourth or fifth year working with the NFL PA Bowl. I've been to hundreds, if not thousands, of pro days. I've never seen a line of scouts waiting to speak to a punter like I did uh, uh, out in Pasadena with this Michigan kid, Roberts, I think he is. And our, our scout had him between 5.15 uh, and 5.35 average hang time. Jeez. And he's a righty punter, but uh, Nick Novak, our special teams coach, said, hey, check this out. He's got a lefty spin on it. I don't know how that's happening. But he had a punt in the game. The guy fumbled. They say a left-handed, uh, left-footed punter is responsible for one win a, a year because you're going to muff a punt. Anyway, Roberts out of Michigan. You got my guy Corsack out of uh, Rutgers from Australia. He's got the boot. Love and that. then you got uh, Turk from Arizona State. You might remember his father. Oh, yeah. yeah so, so Matt Turk. You got, you, you got some some pretty good punters here. And the Syracuse kid ain't, ain't, ain't bad. Eh? Syracuse has a knack for putting punters into the pros. They got another one in Smith. Last thing, Rick. Um, you know, Bruce Feldman does the freak list. And every year we see these just physical freaks. Uh, specimens that, for whatever reason, they slide. You know, last year, Tariq Woolen. You think about, you know, uh, DK Metcalf sliding to the late second. Is there that guy that, that measurables just off the charts, but for some reason production wasn't there? It happens every year. Every single year one of these physical freaks gets drafted in the fourth round and becomes like the sensation of the draft, and how did we pass on him? And this year, they're talking Tariq Woolen redraft via top five pick. Thanks for that setup, Money. I mean, I got a good one for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Derek Parrish out of Houston. Okay, and I got my red on today, maybe just for him. <laughs> he reminds me of Huschek. 
And this kid is a thumper. Okay, he he got hurt. Uh, I think after the fourth game, but he was playing pass rusher. He was playing defensive end linebacker. He had about five sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. He runs sub four five at two hundred and fifty pounds. He's got an eleven foot broad jump, a forty inch vertical. I don't know about you guys. I like my fullbacks built that way, and I think this kid is going to be a weapon in the mold of Kyle Huschek, and I'll tell you what, he might not even get drafted, but he, he is going to make an impact at the NFL level. He is on the Bruce Feldman's freak list, and he made a name for himself. One of these all-star games, I think it was the Shrine Bowl, where he's coming out now as a fullback. So it's a, it's a tricky position, right, because you've now eliminated yourself from half the, team, half the teams in the NFL. Right. But, man, this kid is, is the real deal. Derek Parrish out of Houston. Love it. Rick, it's always a highlight of the offseason talking to you, man. You said you were in Manhattan Beach recently. Next time you're in Manhattan Beach, you got to hit us up. Uh, but we'll get you out of here on just promoting what you have going on with, uh, with everything at, at SI. No, I appreciate that, guys. I mean, uh, like I mentioned, our, our 21st year of coverage, we're fortunate enough to be the NFL draft content provider over on Sports Illustrated, so we're not hard to find. And, of course, we have the NFL Draft Bible uh, publication coming out. You can find that at allaccessfootball.com. And of course, you guys will uh, certainly be receiving a VIP package. Appreciate it. Rick, you're Rick, the best. Appreciate you, Rick. We'll, we'll take a quick break, and Money and I will break down uh, the Super Bowl on Sunday. All right, guys, a big thank you to our partner, Microsoft Surface, celebrating 10 years of partnership with the NFL. As the official laptop, tablet, and sideline technology provider for the LA Chargers, Microsoft Surface provided players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field every day. Learn more about Surface at Surface.com. And if you've been dreaming of going to the Super Bowl, there's only one way to get official ticket packages. On location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, they offer exclusive access to 50-yard line seats, official pregame parties next to the stadium, postgame field access, and much more. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your Super Bowl experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. So, Money, kicking off our draft coverage with Rick Saratella. Rick's great. Uh, always fun. Love it. You know, draft season, it's uh, hope springs eternal, right? When you don't win the Super Bowl uh, this time of year, you start thinking about how you're going to win the Super Bowl and what positions you can fill through the draft. And look, we saw how important the draft was. You know, what, what's, the, what's the quote from Tom Telesco? He saved our season. You know, Jamari Sawyer, sixth-round pick. He saved our season. You know, without him at left tackle after Rashawn Slater left in week three, they are not in the playoffs. I know it did not end the way that we wanted it to end, the way the players, the coaches, the front office wanted it to end, the owners, the fans wanted it to end. But you don't have a 10-win season. You know, you don't have a 27-0 lead in the first half. And obviously, look, Jamari got hurt in that game, you know, and, and that, that cannot be overlooked. So I get why fans get so excited about the draft, about young players, you know, Dean Leonard, you know, and, and Jasir Taylor, you know, helped with a win over Denver to get to that yep. 10 number, you know, and, and get the number one wild card spot. Like it's, it's an important deal. Um, and obviously you already talked about Zion. So we know how important the draft is. I think it's a real interesting year for the Chargers. Um, I know probably next week we'll get into it post Super Bowl. Just, you know, what, what the roster is going to look like, what money looks like, extensions look like, and how you juggle this cap because there's a number of different ways to do it. 
you know, in terms of converting salary to signing bonus, um, trading players, cutting players, post-June 1st designations versus pre. All that stuff's going to come into play because they spent a lot of money last year to, to take a swing. They thought they had the roster, and, and God love them for doing it, you know, and, and spending a couple hundred million dollars in free agent contracts. And, and this year they're going to have to do that for Justin Herbert, you know, and that's going to change the calculus dramatically. So, you know, getting Rick on, and, and I'm sure we'll get our man DJ on, and, and there's a number of other folks that we can talk to, you know, between now and the draft at the end of April that are going to certainly get the folks excited about 2023. Yeah, it's, it's a great point because the next couple of weeks we'll see what the roster looks like. And then free agency will dictate what they may do in the draft. So still a, a ways to go before we get to April, but never too early to talk about the NFL draft. Um, hey, this just popped in my head. Dude, you called one of the best college basketball games of the year in Indiana. What was that experience like? That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> it's that's unbelievable. Incredible. Yeah, I was at Assembly Hall uh, in Bloomington, 216th meeting between the Hoosiers and Boilermakers. You know, it's one of the great I know everybody knows, you know, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Louisville, all those sort of things. But uh, this is probably one of the most overlooked rivalries um, in college basketball. Because, look, in, in, in fairness, you know, Purdue and, and Indiana have not made championship runs in the last 30 years. You know, it's been a while since they found themselves in the Final Four. So um, they're two really, really good teams. Indiana was the preseason pick to win the Big Ten. They had some big injuries, Xavier Johnson. Um, Race Thompson both went down, two of their veteran leaders, um, and they're getting healthy now. And so for those that don't follow college basketball, Zach Eady is just, you know, one of the great, you got to watch Purdue basketball. He's seven foot four. He's athletic. He's unstoppable. Like teams just cannot stop him. And it's fun to watch. So, you know, 22 and one, they are only lost coming at a buzzer beater by Rutgers, you know, a one point loss. Otherwise, they'd have been perfect going into that game at Assembly Hall. And Indiana gets out with a win. They led by 15. Purdue cut it down to two with three minutes left. And then uh, Hoosiers pulled away. And, you know, fans rushed the court and all that sort of stuff. It was really cool to be in the building, uh, be part of it. And lucky enough, you know, I was assigned the rematch. So I'll be going back to Mackey in a couple weeks for the Indiana at Purdue rematch, the 217th meeting between the two teams. Um, And by the way, just want to make sure I'm not left out. I got it right here. My uh, Microsoft Surface goes with me. When I hit the road, I love this thing. I um, I know we're we're sponsored by him and stuff, and it's great. But um, I I would not sing its praises if I did not believe in it. I absolutely love it. It's my stat monitor. When we're on the road, uh, they have a thing called tabs that I use uh, extensively, where I can pop back and forth between all my stats for the different teams. When I want to dig something up, it's so easy to access. With the search tools, it's just such an awesome piece of technology that uh, really is, I mean, it's essential to, to everything I do during the Charger games. It's always in front of me. Love the way it's set up. And uh, now with, with college basketball season happening, it uh, goes everywhere I go. You got a Chargers logo at Assembly Hall. They're like, okay, that's, I know. The, that's the voice of the Chargers. It's funny, and it's, and it's actually happened. When I, when I pop it up, they look <laughs> at it, and they're like, what's that all about? And then they start talking to me like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. So it's kind of funny. That's awesome. All right, Super Bowl, if you look at this game through Chargers glasses, right, Chiefs-Eagles, I go back to last year, Chargers go on the road, they beat the Chiefs, they go on the road, they beat the Eagles, Uh, obviously played the Chiefs twice this year, lost by a field goal in both games. Uh, These were the two best teams in football money, the number one seed in each conference, both had home field, both protected it, and uh, we have quite the matchup, man. Both teams uh, have been awesome this year, 
And I, I really, I, I don't know what to expect. I, I, I could see both teams winning this. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I wish we had both quarterbacks at 100%. I, I think it's clear that both are hurting. You know, you could see the way Patrick Mahomes moved in the championship game that he was not right, clearly. Um, and you can see the way that Jalen Hurts threw the ball in the in the conference championship that he's not right. So, you know, I think that's going to play a big role in the way the game plays out. You know, is Jalen Hurts' shoulder healed because you know it just seemed like the accuracy was off and it's been there all year um certain you know and and same thing with Patrick Mahomes to me like you look at it and if if games you know are won on the lines the Eagles have the advantage they have the better offensive line they have the better defensive line if Patrick Mahomes is not right and he can't move and you've got that front I mean just you're talking about 70 sacks in the regular season, seven, five players with double-digit sacks. And you see Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat. I mean, Hassan Reddick, it is crazy what they throw at you up front. So, like, to me, and look, like we said earlier, Chris Jones, you can make a compelling case he's Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, that's that's why the Chiefs won the conference championship, you know, because of what Chris Jones was able to do to that front. Um, offensive line wise, you know, it's just my lot of what he's been able to do after just starting playing, you know, from, you know, from down under to coming here and just figuring out football and, and how he's become a dominant force at, at one tackle, perhaps the best center in the league in Jason Kelsey, certainly the leader of that line, Lane Johnson at right tackle, maybe the best right tackle in football. Like that's just, to me, that's so much to overcome for the chiefs, but Patrick Mahomes, I mean, that's, like, to me, that's why you pick the Chiefs. You're just like, I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes. I'm just not going to do it. So I, I think the key is going to be turnovers. Jalen Hurts only lost one game this year. It was to the Commanders, I believe, on a Monday night. And I think they had like four turnovers in that game. They've been so good at taking care of the ball. So if they take care of the football, I think uh, the odds of the Eagles winning the game goes up. But what struck me funny was – I don't know if you saw Brandon Ayuk's comments about the, the Chiefs and the Eagles. He said that if he was a betting man, he goes, I'm not a betting man, but I would put everything that I own on the Chiefs to beat the Eagles. And and I know that the Chiefs beat up the, the Niners pretty good earlier in the year. And I don't know if Brandon Ayuk has a little sour grace because he didn't have a quarterback in the uh, NFC yeah. Championship game. But that that just kind of struck me because – the Chiefs, you talk about all the depth and all those players that the Eagles have on both sides of the ball, but we talk about the impact players on the Chiefs, a guy like Chris Jones, uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously Travis Kelsey. Those are the guys that win you games on the biggest stage. So that's what I think is fascinating. You have players in the league saying that, oh, man, the Chiefs are going to beat, beat the Eagles, no problem. Then you have all the evidence what the Eagles have done this year and, and how good Jalen Hurts has played um, that's why I'm kind of uh, at a loss at this point. Yeah, I think, look, I, I think there have been concerns on the secondary for the Eagles all season. Ayuk's a wide receiver, so yeah, I think there's some sour grapes there. Perhaps he's beaten his guy, and he's just, there's nothing there's nothing there. You know, he can't get, you know, he can't get anything out to him because of the injuries. So, you know, I, I think there's a, a level of um, – of frustration there you know I, I you look at I'm trying to find the the uh the numbers but I don't see like I don't remember the Eagles yeah they only gave up 22 passing touchdowns um but I think like if I remember right um the 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 Chiefs had a serious issue let me see uh 
where is it? The Chiefs. No, see, the Chiefs were really, that's what it is. So the Chiefs were really good defensively against the run, only 10 rushing touchdowns allowed. So I think that's perhaps where it comes into play. You know, San Francisco is what? A run-heavy team. Everything comes off those designed runs from Kyle Shanahan. And when the Chiefs run defense stymies you, and it's very hard for you to get anything going, that's where I think maybe Ayuk is coming from. Like, oh, I saw this. A run defense was really good. Um, To me, again, I just think it comes down to quarterback health. If Patrick Mahomes is not right, I don't quite see how he's able to get to get out of those, you know, to get away from that pass rush. And I think that impacts things dramatically. Um, I think there's a reason why the line is so is one and a half. You know, it's a pick em contest. Do you believe in the lines? Do you believe in the quarterback? And, you know, because, because Jalen's been banged up and his shoulder's not quite right, I think that's, you know, where the potential MVP of the – I mean, these are the two – this is probably the, – these are the two guys that are going to finish one and two in the MVP race. You know, oh, yeah. Mahomes probably going to win it. And Jalen Hurts, because he missed those couple games, is probably going to finish second. Or I don't think it would surprise many people if he did win it, because it shows you what happens to that Eagles offense when he's not there. So um, if I had to pick, it's we've seen it. We see it too many times, Chris. It's like you have them dead to rights. And somehow, some way, and whether you want to say it's fair or not, you know, you see the the, the hold – you know, in, in the in the game, you know, that, that led to the, the, the conversion that set up the game-winning field goal or the that led to the run that led to the penalty that led to the game-winning field goal. It just seems like things break right for that team. You know, they, they just, they always do. And if it's a flag that's not thrown on a hold, if it's a player making a critical error, and I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty, it absolutely was a penalty on a side, you know, on the sideline. But just those things just happen to the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. It's the craziest thing, but they do. Um, so I think in a tight contest, I'd be apt. Yeah, but see, then I say it, and I just, I just think their offensive line stinks. I just I do. I think they can't, hold way too much. And you can't really much. say it, Bunny. Like you can't. You don't. You don't want to say it, right? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't because they beat the Chargers twice, and it yeah. and it hurts and it stings. But I just, man, I see how much they hold and get away with it. And then I listen to freaking Mitchell Schwartz on podcasts saying things like, well, technically it's not a hold because if, you, if you've if you engaged and you have your arm bar okay. out, as long as like, you're okay. moving your feet, it's not a hold. Shut up. I don't want to hear that. It's like he's, he's got his arm around a guy's neck and he's impeding yeah. his forward progress. I don't care what his feet are doing at that point, you know? And look, it's ridiculous for me to say that, you know, versus a, a Pro Bowl offensive lineman, but eh, the film's there. I mean, come on. It's... And and it ha- and I see it when I go back and watch the Charger games and Joey Bosa getting held on every single play and Orlando Brown holding on every single play because his feet are slow. It's just, um, I think they're, you know what? I'll take the Eagles. I think they're going to yep. struggle. I think they're, because you've got it inside with Hargrave and, and Cox. You've got it outside with Reddick and Sweat and Graham. So I, I do think that defensive line is going to be able to do some serious damage. Yeah, whatever, I'll take the Eagles. I'm taking I'm taking the Eagles too. I, I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, just the the way that their offense is constructed. If they need to run the ball, they got the horses to run the ball. If they need to throw the ball, they got weapons up and down the field led by Goddard and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Jalen Hurts has been more accurate as a passer this year. Uh I, I think that they can play a number of different ways. And, you know, there's, there's a ton of former Chargers in this game, too, Money. So start on the Eagles side. You got Shane Steichen as the OC. You yeah. got Nick Sirianni, Nick who Sirianni, obviously was the, yeah, the wide receivers coach. Um, Kaiser White, Linval Joseph, 
You got Melvin Gordon and uh, Cole Christensen on on the practice, practice squad, squad. Uh, of the Chiefs. So there's a lot of bolts in this game. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I think maybe that's also part of it. You know, I like Shane and Nick so much. You know, got to know Shane quite well during yeah. his time here. Got to know a Nick a little dude. bit because he and Nick Hard Hardwick, when he was here, his first season were super close. So I was able to get to know Nick. I actually saw both of them last year uh, at the combine. We ended up hanging out. Uh, one night out drinking and uh, having a good time and, and just kind of catching up with them. And it was really cool to to talk, you know, a little bit of football with Shane and, and just listen to how excited he was about the upcoming season, you know, and that was before they traded for AJ Brown, but just kind of chatting with him about how things were going. So maybe that's where my bias is creeping in, you know, just really loving to see, would, would love to see those two guys, you know, get a Super Bowl ring as much as I appreciated them when they were here with the Chargers, as much as I like them as people. Um, and plus, I just don't, I don't know how you can't root for Jalen Hurts. Like he is one of the easiest, one of the yeah. easiest players to to want to see do well. Uh, his work ethic, the way he handled his demotion at Alabama, not, you know, missing a beat, transferring to Oklahoma, being in the Heisman conversation, you know, not whining about slipping out of the first round and being a second round pick despite his resume um, and what he was able to do in, in college. And, you know, just could not be more excited for him as well. So ah, maybe there's a little bit of a little bit of a bias and a little, and a little bit. bit of a yeah, fan it's fine, though. interest there. It's fine, though. You know, yeah. Kaiser White was one of my favorite guys on the Chargers last year. Just just a, a great dude off the field. Great and dude. Obviously, he, he produced at a high level for the Chargers last year produced at a high level for the Eagles this year. And it was kind of a homecoming for him to go back to, to Philly. He's from that area, yeah. went to West Virginia. So I, I'd like to see Kaiser get a ring because, uh, you know, he's had a heck of a year for the Eagles and, and deserves it. So I, we're both going with Philly, huh? Uh, you know, I say it and I hate it. I'm not going to lie. I, I I feel like I know the Chiefs are going to win. I just did. We got happens. a minute. Hey, we, you can amend. You can amend at any time over the next minute, money. Like I said, I, that's the only reason. It, like I think when you look at it on paper, there's there's really only one reason to take the well. There's two reasons to take the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes will not lose. Can you really envision Mahomes going to three Super Bowls and only winning one? You know, can you really knowing how things just always break their way? You know, why would it not happen here? Um, but you know, I look at the you know I look at what the Eagles look. All the Eagles can do is play who's in front of them, and I don't. You know, I hate the whole, look who they've played all season. Look, okay, Brock Purdy got knocked out. Josh Johnson's arm fell off. Like, I mean, he had a concussion, you know. Brock Purdy's arm, Brock Purdy's arm got ripped off. Like, okay. But that's just, that's what happened in the game, you know. So all they can do is play and dominate. And they absolutely dominated the Giants offense. Just that defense wrecked that Giants offense that a lot of people thought was going to be able to hang in that game. So, now I'll stick, I'll, you know. I'll stick with the uh, with the Eagles, you know. Absolutely, I'm ping absolutely here. right. No question. Ping pong in here. <laughs> no question. You know. All right, I'm taking the Eagles. Money's taking the yeah. Eagles. We're gonna get out of here. It's there we go. Changes his mind. Uh, well, uh, right. hey, Rick was the first guest of the off season. We're gonna keep getting guests on, talking draft, talking free agency. Yeah. So look forward to keeping this rolling on Thursdays. Thank you to Microsoft Surface uh, for money. I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly. All right, guys, thanks again for listening to Chargers Weekly. And if you've been dreaming of going to the Super Bowl, there's only one way to get official ticket packages. On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. They offer exclusive access to 50-yard line seats, 
official pregame parties next to the stadium, postgame field access, and much more. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your Super Bowl experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. 